hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Repeat after us. No, thank you. Again, no, thank you. All right. One more time. No, thank you. See, it's not that hard. Whether it's FOMO or the disease to please or some other reason we can come up with, it's hard to say no to friends and family when they ask us to do something and we don't have any money. So you're listening to Queer Money episode number 296. And today we're sharing seven steps to make it easier to say that tiny little word, (laughs) N-O. Now let's get on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Gainbridge sponsors the best, including the Indiana Pacers, Indiana Fever, Indiana 500, and the Queer Money Podcast. That's because Gainbridge believes dedication is an essential component of success in every community. Visit Gainbridge.life today. Welcome to 2022. This is our second episode. And we're super excited because this year, in partnership with Capital One, one of the things that we're really going to focus on is this topic of financial well-being all throughout the year. We know that there's an important tie between our, our mental health our physical well-being and our financial well-being. And we're going to cover that topic a lot more this year. And clearly, one of the things that, for whatever reason, seems to drive our minds crazy is having to say no to our friends. Ah. (laughs) As a matter of fact, John and I have spoken at several LGBT, BRG, or employee resource groups and got every single time we talk about living fabulously, not fabulously broke in front of a group, they always ask us this question. Was it hard to tell your friends no, or did you friends leave you when you started to pay your debt off? So it's clearly a question that a lot of people have. And that is really kind of highlighted even more so by the data that came out again in 2019 about what millennials are doing when it comes to trying to keep up with their friends. In 2019, the data showed that 48% of millennials said that they were spending money that they didn't have to keep up with their friends. More often than not, that means that they're probably saying yes when they know financially they probably should be saying no. <laughs> they're saying yes instead of no. And that's why we practice saying no, because apparently right. people have a tough time saying no and sticking to it. Right. But to be clear, and fair, this was one of the challenges that we had. Right. You know, we we share a lot in all of our talks and on this podcast that um, we had two primary reasons. I don't want to call them reasons because I want to I want to make sure that we own the mistakes that we made. But two catalysts that helped get us into debt, and one of them was us trying to keep up with our new gay community. We wanted right. to make sure we were cool enough. We had the right stuff. We did the right things. Wore the right clothing. Went to the right places. So we would get invited to all of the right parties. Right. <laughs> and and you know, we were joking about this when we were preparing for this show, talking about the idea that maybe one of the social media platforms today should be called FOMOGRAM. <laughs> Instead of what it is called, because so many people get FOMO when they go out on 
that platform, right? Yeah, it is. It is hard to go through that. Even 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 though most of the people we follow are money people, it is kind of hard to follow them and be like, oh, I'm I'm not jealous. No, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. What right? Whether it's what they're posting about what they're doing in their lives or the success that they're having, it seems like a lot of folks get FOMO around this desire to keep up with what everybody else is doing. Nobody wants to get left behind. Well, no child it, should be left behind. No adult should feel like they're being left behind either, right? I think part it's it sort of has exacerbated pretty much what marketers have known for decades, right? I mean, you can't yes. watch TV without them trying to tell you how much better your life will be if you have this new thing or you buy that new stuff or you go to that that fancy place. So now that we've kind of just we've all sort of with social media sort of adopted like, Hey, I'm not getting advertised to enough. I, there aren't enough ads on TV <laughs> right. and radio. So I'm going to sign up for these platforms to be connected with my friends who are only going to show me the most fabulous portions of their lives. And then I'm just going to be even more jealous because my life is not as fabulous as everybody else's <laughs> insta-worthy life, but nobody's life, literally nobody's life is insta-worthy. Right. So <laughs> then what does, what does that cause us everything. to do? Right. What is the result of that? And the data is starting to show what we actually do when we have the FOMO. <laughs> yeah. So Capital One re- shared their 2021 financial well-being survey last year, and they found some startling statistics. And a lot of this was they wanted to do a study of people's financial well-being, um, understanding how they 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 went they survived the pandemic. So it was, this was slightly post-pandemic, or I don't know, the pandemic was kind of continuing. So what post-pandemic seems like an obtuse word anymore. But anyway, they found that a majority or 59% of respondents to their survey spent on impulse to treat themselves. An impulse purchase was just to treat themselves. It was just a random, the poor latte gets beat up all the time. It was just a random latte that you didn't necessarily need. Right. Well, and I think that uh, especially people being inside and feeling cooped up, it probably made sense that a lot of people felt like they needed to treat themselves. They couldn't necessarily treat their friends or treat their family. So they felt like the desire to spend must have been, then I have to spend this on me. Right. It's no, it's no coincidence that just about this time, Jeff Bezos is like, you know what? I can retire now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> right. Capital One also found that a majority or 44% also said that the financial habit they like to change the most is spending on items they don't really need or those items to treat themselves. Or we talk about this a lot how people treat themselves a, a spa day. Um, oh, what do you call self-care. That? Self-care. Right. Oftentimes self-care is considered a, a way of treating yourself. And, and we, we mentioned this, even a, a tweet of ours that went semi-viral was the whole idea of it's okay to do those things like getting your nails done, going out to get the latte, going out for cocktails with your friends. It's okay to do that. As long as that kind of stuff isn't sacrificing your financial well-being. And that's kind of what this data point really, really kind of draws out is that people were, there's a crossover of people here. We know that there are some of these respondents who said that they were treating themselves, but at the same time said that they wanted to change their financial habits around how they spent their money. So there's definitely a need when it comes to financial well-being to kind of get over this hump or this idea of how do I treat myself? How do I spend my money? And right. Sadly, what we're seeing is people are regretting it. 77% of respondents also said if they regretted their purchase, 
they've regretted it within the first day. So they don't even have that, whatever that thing is that they purchased or did or where they went to, they didn't even appreciate it for a day. And so this just shows how fleeting some of these purchases are. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast. We just did the whole financial planning series, figuring, figuring out what you most want, right? So, so, so the, the water you're putting, in, the water that we're all putting in our jar, right? we talked about the water, the sand, the pebbles, and the rocks, and the rocks represent the most important things in your life. But so many of us are filling our, our jar with the water and the sand, and it's not providing us the satisfaction that we want, right? Right. So if you focus on what it is that we most want, then we'll have the, the, the greater life satisfaction that we're all seeking. But therein lies the challenge, right? Because Instagram, Facebook, your friends, all that are sort of inspiring you, encouraging you to do things. And it's not that they're doing it maliciously. You know, they want you to come along and grab drinks with us, or we're going to go shopping, or don't you want to get this too? Or, uh, or our favorite, you know, is now, now when you get married, not only do you have a, an engagement party, but you, you have a bachelor party, a bachelorette party, and then you have to have uh, the wedding shower. And now these are all becoming Multiple destination things. <laughs> right. Yeah. These are, you know, people can't just have it in their home anymore. They've got to like go somewhere fabulous. It's, it's competition, right? Probably because of Instagram. And so, People are finding that these things are just, it's fleeting enjoyment. So why waste your time? Why put yourself into debt or why sabotage what your true goals are for things that aren't even going to make you happier more than a day? Right. So let's talk about five reasons why this is actually the case. Why is it hard for us to say no? What is preventing us? And we've, we've kind of really covered the first one already. And that's this whole idea of FOMO, right? We feel like we don't want to be left out. We want to be included. We want to be we want to make sure that our friends know that we're still friends with them, right? So <laughs> I think, here. right? I think there is this FOMO yeah. that, and that's a big one for sure. Then there's also the disease to please. And I think this comes from a place of a couple of things here. I think it's a little bit it comes from a lack of self worth. Like if we mm-hmm. feel like we say no to somebody, they're not going to like me. Right. Or they're not going to invite me out in the future. And I, I feel like that also inspires a lot of people to say, all right, I, I got to say yes, this because I, I just can't say no. I don't like saying no. And being for some reason, saying no is impolite. Right. But saying no is very freeing. Right. I, th- for this one, I, I, I think I really kind of picture the person who can't curtail their or cut down their list of people who they're inviting to their wedding or to a party. Yeah. They have to invite everybody because they're so scared if they don't invite everyone that somebody's going to be mad at them. And that that is the kind of the sense then I think with with spending their money, they got to say yes to everyone. Not us. We ruthlessly cut our <laughs> invite list down to some 40 some people and it was a great, great weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Number three is uh, there's identity stories that we tell about ourselves. So we've got sort of a dialogue going on inside our head about who we think we are and what we want to project into the world or how we want other people to perceive us. So if we're the fun guy, if we're the person that, that people always want to have around to laugh or to enjoy or to support or to maybe buy a round of drinks, if, we, if, if we're that person, we don't want to change that perception. We're, you know, we don't disrupt people's opinion about ourselves. So we've got to keep the dialogue in our own head going. So saying no becomes a little bit harder. But sometimes the dialogue that we have going on inside our head isn't actually helping us out. And maybe people aren't necessarily perceiving us the way that we think that they're perceiving right. us. Right? We're, we're we're making a lot of assumptions there. <laughs> um, so we got to maybe challenge our own stories about what we tell ourselves about who we are and what we do and what we think other people think of who we are and what we do. Right. Sometimes the identity that we have is maybe not the identity that we want. So we may need to check in with what other people are actually thinking about us. Check it before you wreck it. Right. Exactly. 
Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Heard a rumor about annuities? Cut out the noise by visiting Queer Money podcast sponsor Gainbridge at gainbridge.life to learn more. Number four is, I think, especially exacerbated because of COVID, and that's the desire to be social, right? We want, especially right now, we want to get out. We want to do things with people because for so long, many of us were the only social thing we did was a Zoom call, right? And now we actually have the opportunity to get out and do things with people, uh, as long as this, yeah, we did these, this kind of up and down, uh, ride we're on with, uh, with COVID. But I think that really is this, especially for people who are social people, they're probably really uh, wanting to get out and spend more time with folks. And we know (laughs) that, right. The vast majority of the time, the more time you spend out with your friends, the more likely you're going to spend more money. Right. Exactly. All right. And then I think number five, is there is a societal expectation. I think it's societal, but also a community expectation. What's happening? What community are you part of, right? There's oftentimes this report of idea that women are required to say yes, that that they must say yes. And I think that happens, I think within the LGBT and especially gay men, there's this kind of obligation that if you're asked to do something, then you have to say yes. And so there's this expectation if you're not the right kind of person. Right. Yeah. And then, and then I think that then also then bounces back to the beginning of you kind of, especially if you're a marginalized person and somebody asks you to do something, you don't want to say no, because how many times in our lives were we not included? Right. right. Um, and so now we're finally in adulthood and we have some little bit more flexibility and a little bit more acceptance. So we're a little bit more less inclined to say no, but because, you know, I just never got invited to those parties in high school, but now I am. Right. <laughs> I don't say no. So the bulk of this particular podcast, we're going to cover seven steps to get better at saying no to friends. So here are the seven steps that we have for you. <laughs> the first is to say no quickly. No. <laughs> and this so this is a great follow-up to the series on financial planning, right? Get crystal clear on what it is that you want and how you're going to architect your life to achieve all the things that you want. Then you you know pretty quickly when somebody asks you to do something, if it doesn't align with your goals or you know that you can't afford it for whatever reason, then say no. I think a lot of people struggle, again, it probably comes with a disease to please, right. or is they, they struggle to just say no. And so they kind of string their friends or family along, right? And they wait to the last minute, or they come up with some, you know, at the last minute, they come up with some crazy reason why they can't go, which actually isn't true. <laughs> or ghost you. <laughs> yeah, or they ghost you, yeah. So right. Just say no, that's fine. It's, it's totally fine to say no. And we'll extrapolate here in a couple of minutes on how to make that come across a little bit less harsh, but right. just be committed to saying no. Right, so number two is actually, how to say it in a more gracious way, right? Say no graciously. So, you know, thank you. I really appreciate it. I love the fact that you thought of me. I really would love to be able to do this, but I can't right now. It's just not something I can do. Thank you, but no thank you. Exactly. That's it. Number three is to say no firmly. If you sound like them exerting any pressure on you will make you change your mind. Oh, come on, John. <laughs> then they will put pressure on you to make you change your mind. And John will cave. <laughs> I don't want that bowl of ice cream, David. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you, you definitely, you, you want to be firm. So you, you know what your goals are. You're being firm, but polite. So no, thank you. Yeah. 
Exactly. The next one is probably one you would want to do with maybe some of your closer friends. And that is to normalize this idea of talking about money so that you can explain why, right? right? So you may want to be able to, or have kind of in your backpack of explanations to be able to pull out. I can't because right now I don't have money in my budget or I'm trying to reach specific money goals. You know, we've, I've been telling you I wanted to do this. I'm trying to reach $1,000 in my emergency savings account, or I'm trying to set aside $50 a month to put into investing. And if I go with you, I wouldn't be able to do that, which won't allow me to reach my goal. Or maybe you explain some really big goal. And when we talk about really big goals, people get really excited. So if like, say, for example, you're talking to your close friends and you've been telling them that you are trying to reach financial independence, then they may know that you already have a fire number, right? You know that you want to be able to retire on this date, or you want to be able to retire when you reach this amount in your investments. You can then explain to them and say, if I do this with you, it doesn't align with my goal to reach my fire number by this particular time. So it gets it's easier when you have talked to your friends a little bit about what your money goals are or your financial goals are, that it gets easier to be able to then make that the excuse that you're not going with them. It's better to have that be the excuse than to just say no to them and have them wonder what the excuse is. Because that's, I think then that's when a lot of people have that fear of, oh no, now they're not going to like me anymore because we don't have a valid explanation as to why we're not doing something with them. If we give them a valid explanation that is something that's exciting, then it will be a lot easier for them to understand. And as David said, we get asked this question a lot when we speak to BRGs or ERGs at corporations. And this is our main answer to folks is that, you know, we told our friends and family, you know, we, our goal is to pay off our credit card debt as quickly as possible. We were super out and open about it. It was a little embarrassing. We had to be a little bit brave and come up with some courage to share it, especially to share it with my father. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we had to say that we have this goal, we're owning up to it and we're going to, we're going to pay this, this debt off. And being honest in that way actually helped out a lot because we found, especially with our friends, that many of them also had some goal that would be much more easily achieved if they stopped going out as much. So it's not like not that they stopped going out altogether like what like we pretty much did, but they stopped going out as much and it helped them save for their honeymoon, save to have a child, save to get married, all those sort of in those kind of the stage of life that we were at and our friends were at, but it helped them achieve their goals. And I would argue that despite your age or your friend's age, most of your friends probably have some goal that would be much more easily achieved if you just stayed home one night and played backgammon. (laughs) (laughs) And that actually is a great segue to tip number five, propose an alternative, right? So as David said, you want to explain, you want to give them a valid reason of why you can't so they don't feel rejected or dejected by you. And that'll then kind of let them know, you know, what kind of engagements they, they want to have with you in the future. But then what you can also say is, is hey, um, I can't do it because I'm trying to reach my fire number, but I'm considering this event that I've been wanting to go to that's free or, or cheap. Um, do you want to go to that with me? Or I'm going to the park to have a picnic or we're, we're friends of mine and I are having a movie night. Do you want to come join us there? So you can invite them to do things. As we often say, become the Julie Cruz director of your friends group and invite them, encourage them to come and do the freer or cheaper things. And then maybe occasionally you can do the things that don't necessarily align with your goals, you know, wholeheartedly, but because you want to be responsive to them, but you definitely want to offer an alternative. 
you know, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, having a social calendar where you have your numbers built into that, knowing in advance what kinds of things you're going to do is a great way, again, to have a whole bunch of explanations in your backpack of being able to say, hey, let's do this instead, or I would love to do that with you, but I'm going to be doing this. Would you like to join me? You know, it, that gives you really that opportunity to propose alternatives that you know about. We used to offer uh, what we called the Fabulous Social Life Calendar that actually incorporated uh, both of those features, a calendar as well as a budget feature, um, which we don't offer anymore. But if that's something that you would be interested in, let us know, ping us on social media, and maybe that's something that we'll reconsider. Right. Point number six is to not feel guilty. I think there is this inherent guilt with the word no, right? We All our lives, we've been hearing the word no, 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 David, no, David, no, David, right? And that has been kind of this <laughs> all your life or is that like pre John? <laughs> right. Well, especially in our early lives, we, you know, I'm reading the four agreements over again. And that's one of the things that, that they talk about in the book is this idea that from birth, we're basically being guided through life as to who we're going to be without us really choosing. And that word no is one that we learn early on. And then we adopt guilt with that word. No. Right. So we can internalize that guilt. And when we tell somebody else, no, we don't want them to feel guilty, but then we take the guilt on, right? So that's really why it's so important to know your why. As we talked about in episodes 287 and 291 around financial planning, it's really important to understand why this is important to you, why it's important to not feel guilty when you're saying no. Exactly. And then back to the middle and around again, step number seven. <laughs> we started this already at the beginning of the podcast. Practice. Practice. <laughs> Practice saying no. Right. <laughs> and you can you can start by you know saying it to the dog, right? You can start by saying it to the mirror. Um, to your spouse. To your spouse. Yeah. Start start with the easy ones first, right? Um, and then maybe start to to scale up to the more more uh, scary ones to say <laughs> no to. But just practice, and and it actually won't take you that long to get good at it. I've been saying no apparently our entire relationship. <laughs> well, <laughs> we can take that in a whole different direction, but we won't. <laughs> so again, to recap here, your seven tips for being able to say no. One, say it quickly. Say no quickly. Two, say it graciously. Three, say it firmly and clearly. Four, give an explanation as to why. Five, propose an alternative. Six, don't feel guilty about saying no, even though you may want to. And seven, practice it. Now stay tuned for your career money takeaway from this episode. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Queer Money. Here's your Queer Money takeaway from this episode. There are always going to be things that will distract you, knock you off your course from your financial goals, whether that be paying off debt, saving your money for something fun and huge, or saving for retirement. Start practicing and get good with saying no to people. It won't only help you with your finances, but it'll help you with your level of stress and your anxiety and with having more time for yourself and the things that you want to do. Then join us next week for episode 297 of the Queer Money Podcast when we talk about unique money issues for lesbians. Have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. 
Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.